1: You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. Got your MoneyWise guys back inside the MoneyWise studio with me for this weekend show. I have my brother Jeff, Joe Rust, and I am your host Kyle Davidson. For any new listeners to the MoneyWise program, Davidson Capital Management is a fee only registered investment advisor. We're in our 34th year of business and with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi, we have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at DavidsonCap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to MoneyWise at DavidsonCap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Moneywise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps. You can leave your comments, and don't forget to like the show. As we kick off every weekend's Moneywise program, I turn it over to my brother Jeff to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. So, Jeff, take it away.
0: Okay, in the week just past, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up about 263 points, or 8 tenths of 1%. The S&P 500 last week was up about 19 points, or 4 tenths of 1%. And the NASDAQ last week was down about 24 points, or 2 tenths of 1%. Now, for the year-to-date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 1.6%. The S&P 500 year-to-date is up 12.7%. And the NASDAQ year-to-date is up 28.1%.
1: Thank you, Jeff. So I want to start off the show. Do we need to blame Rick Santelli on Thursday for the poor uh, report from the bond auction on the (laughs) 30-year Treasury? Because everything was going swimmingly all week long until Thursday after lunch when Rick Santelli, who is someone that I, I pay attention to what he says on CNBC, he's a former bond trader on the uh, out in Chicago, and he came out and he gave the 30-year bond auction a rating of D. And as soon as that came out of his mouth, yields started going higher, which I'm sure triggered the sell algorithms on the stock side. So we saw the, Price of bonds coming down, yields going up, and of course the value of the stock market coming down on Thursday. And Friday, things were starting to look up, but then rolled over before lunch. Now we still ended the week in positive territory, but not, we would, I felt, be much more positive if the bond auction on Thursday was much better received by the buying public.
0: You know, I don't know how much the markets, I mean, really pay attention to that to that 30-year yield. The 10-year seems to be the gold standard in terms of what, what do the markets really pay attention to because those the, the 10-year yield tends to dictate what happens with mortgages. And we've been talking, you know, there's been a lot of chatter about how, quote-unquote, high mortgages are right now. And I think I've probably said on previous shows that the current mortgage rate is pretty close to average if you want to go back and look at you know, 50, 60, 70 years. It is quote-unquote high for this century if you want to just look at this century, but you stretch it out, it's not it's not the case. Uh, yields for the week were actually down. If you want to look at the 10-year, we were down almost uh, almost two-tenths of a percent for the week on the ten year treasury, the market as Kyle said, the markets were up a little bit. I, I think Friday maybe Kyle's numbers were more at, at the beginning of the day were more driven by the the, the well received earnings from JP Morgan. You know, one of the, the JP Morgan, I think is the first bank to come out with earnings.
1: United Health also came out with very United,
0: strong earnings. United Health, which is we own United Health. We don't own JP Morgan. Uh so I think you know, Earnings season is upon us now. We we got past the C- – I think what's really maybe a little more interesting about the week just passed is both the producer price index and the CPI numbers were a little higher than expected, but the market's reaction to them has been muted. Yeah. So I would have to describe it as muted. The, yes, The CPI,
2: Joe? if you pull out fuel and, and food, food. – it about hit expectations for the week for what they thought. Sure. So to say, flat on. I mean, essentially, well, that's what the Fed is looking at so.
1: the core. The core CPI was identical month over month from August to September, with it being up three tenths of a percent. So when you, when you look at the core, the core is still at four one four point one percent, which is above the Fed expect. You know, with the which is above the Fed mandate of two percent. You know, we've at we've talked about it on this program time and time again. Where did the Fed come up with 2% of the uh, as their mandate since the PCE is about 3.24% historically where they came up with 2? So, yeah, Joe. Do
2: you think the market eventually is just going to digest and say we're never getting to 2% or we're not going to get to 2% in the next two to three years? I think, we'll be, I think it's, I, we've,
0: I we've th- said this previously that there is going to be a point where the Fed cannot just keep raising rates to try to get to this 2%. And at some point they just say, well, we're we're happy with the progress on inflation, and uh, they're going to start to change their man- – you'll see them start to finagle their mandate a little bit. But the thing about getting it to 2% is how is the Fed going to have – and I can hear Dad now saying, Jeff, you're talking too much about the Fed. How is the Fed going to get sh- shelter costs down? And how are they going to get services costs down? How are they going to do that? Well, the only way they're going to do that is they gotta slow the economy.
1: But how are you gonna slow the economy when you have nine point one million jobs available? We're still seeing higher incomes, and so anyone who wants to work has a job that they can go and take.
0: I don't have the answer to that question. It's three words Hire for longer. Okay that's how it happens. So that means that means this to me. Okay. There's not to to me there's not a snowball's chance in Hades they they're, they're going to be cutting rates in 2024. That's number 1. Number 2 is we're probably going to get some more fed fund increases. It may not happen this year. It may be in Jan- maybe in January, maybe in the first quarter of next year. But to me, you can forget about it. We're not getting any rate cuts in 2024 because after all these rate cuts and they still can't. We're rate still increases, had, like you said, all the rate, rate increases. Rate increases, sorry. And you get all these rate increases we've had, historic rate increases. You got to go back to the 1980s. You got to go back to when I was in high school. The last time we had this many increases in what, year and a half?
1: Mm-hmm. Since March, began March of
0: 2022. And can you say the economy's fallen out of bed? No?
1: No, it hasn't. I mean, obviously, corporate earnings, you know, we have a high probability of seeing the fourth quarter in a row of negative earnings growth. But before we go any further in that conversation, let's take our first commercial break, and we'll pick up this topic on the other side. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. you Money Wise guys. be back after this. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Moneywise podcast through Apple podcast or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments and don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning into this weekend's Moneywise program, continuing to recap the happenings of Wall Street from this past week. Of course, we're on Dad's favorite subject, and that is talking about the Federal Reserve. So I'm sure all three of us are already in the doghouse with him because we've spoken for more <laughs> than 30 seconds about the Fed for this weekend show. But a- a- again, everything, <laughs> the market is so data-dependent, and every single move, every single speech that comes out from the Fed governors, I, I mean, and I've said this on the show going back, over the course of of quite a few number of years, how the Federal Reserve and the Fed governors have become rock stars. And I I hearken back to to Alan Greenspan, former chairman of the Federal Reserve, one of his greatest quotes. He says, if you know what I'm thinking, I'm talking too much. Well, obviously now the current Fed does not follow that same mandate because I swear every day a different Fed governor, whether a voting member or non-voting member, is talking about Fed policy. And I, I
0: want to talk about that. I'm going to tell you about what's happening next week because we got a ton of people talking. Before I get to that, I want to read a few sentences from the end of our third quarter market comments and let y'all kind of chew on these thoughts here. This is the first significant Fed tightening when ne- neither households nor businesses are overstretched in terms of debt or interest payments. For that reason, we should not be surprised that the lag between Fed rate hikes and the economic impact is taking longer than usual. It is possible that we will get a soft landing where the economy cools enough to allow the Fed to start lowering rates and prevent recession, or the economy could also get a temporary second wind if receding inflation boosts consumers' purchasing power or manufacturing has a mini-recovery as inventories are rebuilt. This no-landing scenario may be the most worrying for investors as it would see the Fed contemplate further tightening and risk an eventual deeper recession.
1: So in other words, you're saying they're between a rock and a hard place at this current moment. Is that kind of in a nutshell what you're trying to say? I mean, they're in a quagmire because we could potentially – and that's the thing that Joe and I, I mean, we've done different events where we're talking to other investment professionals that have been in the industry a long time, and it's so easy to argue both sides of the coin. Yes. You know, there's been very rare market conditions and economic conditions – where the bulls and bears have two legs to stand on for their argument. So for you as an investor, you know, what should you be doing in your portfolio when the bears have very valid points that they can very easily argue and bulls have very valid points that can easily be argued? So what do you do in your portfolio? Well, I can tell you for us at Davidson Capital Management, we're straddling the fence. We're straddling both sides. One foot halfway into fixed income, one foot halfway into the stock market when it comes to a moderate allocation.
0: But there are specific areas that we're focusing on in both stocks and bonds. Because this is true. Going going into today's show, the aggregate bond index that we track, that, that tracks all investment grade corporate governments, Of any maturity range from a month to fifty years is negative for the year. Negative year to date. If if the year had ended on Friday, we would have two back to back year negative years in aggregate bond performance. When was the last time that happened? I can't remember. Never, it's never happened.
1: Never, it's it's never happened.
2: As of it's yesterday, as of as of. Thursday I mean, Joe, rose, we is down about two percent, one point nine percent for
1: can't the U.S. aggregate.
2: Ever, I can't That's remember aggregate. bonds being down two years in a row. Without. Well, remember, it's never
1: happened because we've been in a bull market for bonds going back to the early '80s. So, 2022 being a negative year for bonds. And then so far year to date through Thursday's closed negative year for bonds. Now, of course, we're performing much better because we've been managing bonds actively for 34 years. So we've been in the trenches a little bit longer and know what we're doing. So we, of course have positive numbers and fixing them just like we had last year. But, but back to your point, Jeff, you know, this is, this is the quagmire that the Federal Reserve find, them, find themselves in because do they want to sacrifice one of their mandates, full employment, to satisfy their other mandate, their other mandate that's price stability and get to their 2%, 2% target? Which we have all said on this show numerous times, they need to get away from this 2% target. They need to make the target 3. They need to they make the, the target 3.24. How about the long-term PCE? the personal consumption expenditure uh, calculation that the Fed for many, many years had been using to make their monetary policy decisions, which they've gotten away from and focusing on this CPI and core CPI.
0: Well, I would submit to you that we are beyond full employment based on just the Absolutely.
1: Raw Absolutely.
0: Because from what I remember, when I was in college taking my first Economics class in business school I believe we were taught That full employment was 6%
1: 5 to 6 Same here I'm sure so, same for Joe
0: So we're 50% Below that so I, A the, lot runway so, so the answer to your question is I think the Fed would like to see some uh, so A lot fewer Job openings <laughs> Which which will probably result in you know Folks losing their job but as I had said Neither households nor businesses are overstressed in terms of debt or interest payments. So, if I'm a corporation and I'm a wash in cash, right? I'm a wash in cash. Would it make sense if 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 I truly needed to cut staff? Would I would I do it here, knowing that when when the economy turns around or when? Whatever their what's happening with their business turns around, then I got to go out and find these people again, or do I just keep them on the payroll? Is it is it just less expensive to keep them off the payroll? Yeah, I'll have to spend some of my cash a little bit. Is that the smarter move? Well, night we're not we're not hearing about any mass. What was the last time we heard about mass layoffs from? any S&P 500 company
1: the only that layoff
0: that was that was all that was last year
1: hold on I will tell you that 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 Meta is looking to cut staff in their metaverse because that took off like a lead balloon so I think they're cutting a small number of staff there but it's not some big mass ten fifteen thousand 15,000 employee layoff and and Jeff to your point you know, If you're a big corporation and you know that there's 9 million-plus jobs currently available, do you add to that number with the idea that you have to rehire, retrain, get all that stuff done again? No. If you've got the cash, and but here's the thing, though. Do they forego capital expenditures? And the capital expenditures they use that money for is for maintaining these employees, keep them on board so they don't have to bring them back on, when the economy is going on all eight cylinders and the Fed is now in the interest rate cutting
0: zone. I, I have a, sometimes I have a hard time believing that there's this many job openings left unfilled. Um, I, I just, I, I kind of throw up a big question mark with that, whether it's legit. What well, what I, as we talked about, your wage, wage growth, had, I think it's slowed if I'm remembering right from the it last has. Year, the unemployment number. Um, uh, but the Fed's gotta get shelter costs down and service costs down.
1: Okay. Well the way you get shelter costs the way you get shelter costs down is you have to get builders comfortable and confident enough to go out there and start building because we're a decade behind from a construction standpoint, from a home construction standpoint. Builders are a decade behind. And if they don't already have the land and have it paid off, I mean look at now their financing costs. I don't think any builders are going out buying big swaths of land right now at this interest rate in this interest rate environment.
0: They're well, just I not going to. Yeah, I don't know how motivated a builder is going to be to build houses looking for buyers that are having to pay the highest mortgage rates uh, in, uh, well, it's definitely more than my first house, which was an '03. That was 20 years ago. Uh, how far back you got go to go the last time we had interest rates this high? I don't, I don't have the chart in front of me. But what, I, what I'm hearing from folks, like I had, I had a client in my office today, on Friday, talking about listing their house for sale. And then they were talking about they had sold some investment properties a few years ago. And they, they had said the story back then was we put these investment properties on the MLS. And by the end of the day, we'd have a half dozen cash <laughs> offers for the property. Now they've got another, you know, now they're trying to sell their personal residence, and I don't think they've had any traffic. Well, they haven't I, had anybody come look at I, it. My and mortgage,
2: my mortgage advisor, mortgage. Which, yes, just show. two weeks ago, not one contract over the weekend, not one for one house in a pretty affluent area in San Antonio. So there you are. You know.
1: Well, let's pick up this conversation on the other side of the break so I don't want to get it cut off. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Moneywise podcast through Apple podcast or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning into this weekend show, I'm talking about uh, real estate and the real estate market and just the economy in general. Because where we are at this point in time is that you know the economy has held up with all the interest rate increases that the Fed began doing in March of 2022, and a couple of pauses that we've had so far this year. And we saw a little bit hotter PPI, a little bit hotter CPI data this past week, but the markets took it in stride. And I know the percentage, uh, the percentages of the Fed raising rates on November first. Is less than a quarter percent. Even in December, it's less than half of, I, I believe, the surveyed experts as far as raising interest rates in December. But, Jeff, I know you said earlier in the program, you're you're predicting that the Fed's not going to be cutting rates at all in 2024, no, uh, which, you know, again – Fed could be higher for longer, but we also know what the bond vigilantes, which we spoke about on last weekend's show, can do very quickly on the longer end of the yield curve by going out and selling treasuries helping the Fed do some of the heavy lifting from a rate standpoint. But we're in unprecedented times. I mean, has the Fed raised rates before? Yes, they have. They've done it a lot of times over many, many decades. Have they raised it this far and this fast in the last 40 years? Yeah, it was 40 years ago, but we're also coming out of unprecedented times. We're talking a global pandemic, the likes we have not seen in over a hundred years. We saw stimulus spending by our government, whether it's, you know, the Trump administration and then even more with the Biden administration, a lot of people sitting on a lot of cash on the sidelines. You know, I keep hearing some of these financial prognosticators with something to sell talking about how the m2 money supply it's dwindling away and that's just a precursor for bad things happening in the economy they leave out the you know they kind of give you a little bit of a half truth cuz the one thing they forget to mention is that the Federal Reserve is removing $95 billion of liquidity on a monthly basis through quantitative tightening. So it's not that every person out there is just dwindling away their savings or monies they've saved during the COVID pandemic. So I just want to kind of put that little, there's a little caveat there, because the Fed still has tools to where they can help stimulate the economy if the economy really comes to a screeching halt, which none of us are predicting that to occur.
0: Well, what they'll probably do is they'll just slow the pace of what quantitative whatever, tightening. Bonds, whatever bonds they are that, that, that they're selling, but they won't do anything about the Fed funds rate. Um, the one thing that is different about this rate-raising cycle is think about how much money was lent out at these low, low interest rates that we had, you know, pre-2022, whether it's mortgages, car loans, loans corporate bonds, sure, car loans, you know, loans of any other than credit cards. Mm-hmm. think you know, Corporations that have issued debt, corporate bonds, the government, treasury bonds. And you and I, you, you would, before Joe came to work for us in 2017, I remember talking about when Dad was on the show with us, talking about why isn't the government out there floating 50-, 75-, year bonds, you know, at 3%. Why aren't we wanna- out there? Getting all the money that we can. Yes, Kyle.
1: You want to hear something funny? I don't know if you caught Kramer this morning before the bell, but he was throwing shade and saying, why didn't the Treasury, why did they not listen to me and issue more 30-year bonds or longer when we had rates so incredibly low?
0: Well, I'll say we said it before Kramer.
1: No, of course we did. Of course we did. I was just saying, what what a coincidence! Because Kramer was talking about it Friday morning. So the, that the, is, that the government should have issued more bonds when they had the chance.
0: So uh, let's think. But let's think about all the the loans that were made on commercial properties, whether they're multifamily, whether they're office buildings, industrial parks. All those loans were 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 made. You know, those commercial loans aren't thirty-year loans. They're they're much shorter time frames, mm-hmm. and these loans will be coming due in the coming years. And they will if they don't pay off the loans, then they have to be refinanced at whatever the rate is at that moment in time. And how does that affect these properties' profitability? Now, who's most at risk for this? Is it the banks? Is it private lending, which is?
2: private lending none of us. Be big none of
0: us know you know none of us know how much money is lent out in the private markets they have no clue cuz it's private right uh, what risks are there you know how many how many pension funds or you know other large amounts of of investor money is out there that's in these sort of instruments
1: Alternative the, asset classes. Are
0: they you know are these are these assets being hedged? Do the do all these organizations have interest rate hedged to hedge against those risks? I don't know. So that's one thing that's really that's different about this cycle versus the night that, that the one that happened in the nineteen eighties. So we didn't have years and, years and years and years and years and years of near zero interest rate policy. Well, Prior to this, to all this ramping up, and all what? these folks went out and borrowed all this money at these exceptionally low rates. Well, if they don't pay off the loans, they got to refinance them. They're going to be more expensive. And, well, and that, and that's it, a big question mark, yeah, Joe.
2: Even locally, we've seen that with with in some situations, talking to clients and and companies where they're in the exact situation where they borrowed a lower rate and they're trying to refinance free, refinance their debt, and they can't do it. You know, and so I, that's a great question. How much is that? We don't know yet. We have no idea. It's kind of it's kind of like a handicap. Like we talked about a year and a half ago, we're trying to handicap the unhandicappable. and it's tough when you're when you're managing a portfolio. But it's also tough trying to figure out how the economy is going to roll and if we're going to have a you know what a recession would well, look like.
1: And I think that's that just goes to to the to the reason why active management is so critically important, why you can't just set it and forget it, because there are so many different moving parts. There is so many data points that are constantly changing on a week-to-week and month-to-month basis. And so when you go in with one particular investment strategy, you might have to do some shifting and moving around within just a handful of weeks of that strategy based on the information that you have at hand. And so like you said, Joe, it's very hard to handicap the unhandicappable because we haven't really been in this position before. And I think something that's been, that was being discussed quite a bit this past week in the financial entertainment press is where exactly is the new norm going to be? You know, I don't think we're going to be going back to the zero Fed funds rate anytime soon or for the foreseeable future because what would that mean for the economy if we were back to the zero Fed fund rate? So where is the new normal going to be? And, Joe, I remember telling you the story a couple of days ago in the office when Dad and I were up at client number one, our church endowment up in Round Rock, before our annual meeting. And I remember this was in October. This is October 9th of 07, where the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P 500 hit and both closed at their all-time closing highs on October 9th of 07. And the 10-year Treasury was over 4.6%. So I just want to remind all of our listeners, all investors out there, that the stock market can still perform extremely well and still make all-new record highs with a 10-year treasury above 4.5%. And
2: and Here's the other thing, too, and and Jeff and I and Kyle were talking about before the show. I was looking at an IRA and a lady who was conservatively invested, and her net return over more than a 10-year period was 2.9%. She's allocated heavily in bonds where she couldn't get the interest that she needed, and so, and I, Jeff probably knew what the RMD number might have been been north of four percent, and she's getting two point nine to three percent. So essentially, she's withdrawing more than she's making over That's the right. history of that well, IRA. Which you're well, this years.
1: goes, but this goes back to the point that we talked about on last weekend's show. You can't just be in a hundred percent fixed income and well, expect but, to live on that comfortably for the rest of your life, depending upon your withdrawal rate and how much you need to live off of.
0: I would say, but. Here's the deal. For years and years, bond investors suffered with low yields in their portfolio, us included. And if you didn't make changes to your portfolio in 2021, then the suffering of the low yields for all those years got compounded with losses in the underlying instruments now for the last year and a half because their bonds are down for the last year and a half and and that that example that you gave me Joe this this person that was looking for a conservative portfolio and the co- portfolio was constructed absolutely conservatively 35% stocks 65% bonds and cash would absolutely qualify as a conservative portfolio under our definition and this is a large, huge, multinational, worldwide bank that's managing this portfolio. So it's not—it's not surprising that it has a ten-year a more than ten-year compound of return of less than three percent, because they weren't watching the ball on the bond side. You know?
2: Yeah. Passive we all, strategy.
0: We all, we all had to suffer with the low yields and bonds. There's nothing that we could do about that. Nothing. We had to invest in that environment. We had to hold our nose. I remember Dad saying, "I got to hold my nose and buy that corporate bond at you know two percent yield for two years or whatever it was." But that's what the market was. That's the market. But did you get to 2022? And if you weren't prepared, here come the losses. Now I see we're coming up on a break. I'll carry this over after the break.
1: All right, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at one 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Moneywise podcast through Apple podcast or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So boy, this is, this should be just the whole entire weekend show about interest rates. And I know before we went to the break, again, talking just about the history of bonds and history of returns and fixed income. And this prospective client that Joe was reviewing and this ultra-conservative, or I should say conservative asset allocation, 65% fixed income, 35% stock, for over the last decade, you know, with a compound annualized rate of return of less than 3%. That's,
0: that's total return. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Kyle. I'm sorry. But one thing I wanted to say, because I was just looking at this example again, mm-hmm. and how we talked I talked about in the previous segment, we went years and years and years with these low, low yields on bonds. But you, if you had to have bonds in your portfolio, that's what, that's, you're going to get what the market gives you. But if you weren't ready for the train coming at you in 2022, and I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, you could see the lights, the gates were down behind you, and you could hear the horn. You knew what was coming. We, we saw what was coming. In twenty two. And we were we were getting ourselves off the tracks.
1: First trade in, day in, one in, of twenty twenty
0: two. Started in late twenty one. Started, <laughs> biggest. No it started yeah, on yeah start, start started late in late twenty
1: one and then put finished, our hedge on.
0: And then finished put in our, February of twenty two. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at this example. And 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 this very very nice that this advisor does this for us. They actually gives us the return on the fixed income and cash in this portfolio. And mind you, I believe it's sixty five percent of fixed income and cash, Joe. From in, from the inception date of January the first, twenty thirteen, to the present, the annualized return on this particular client, so that's what ten plus years, approaching eleven years, was one. 0.1 percent in fixed income and cash. 1.1 percent. That was 65 percent of the portfolio. Now, I obviously haven't delved, dove into the quality of the fixed income investments that were in this portfolio. But that's that's where fixed income investors got double whammied.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All those years of low yields, and then just this Okay, yields are starting to go up. Yields starting to go up. Kablam! they went up so fast that what you know almost this entire portfolio's income for 11 years gets wiped out that's the how you capital
1: depreciation yeah and yep.
0: capital depreciation
1: value of those bonds plummeted
0: you know why wasn't the organization hedging against this because they're not designed they're not designed to manage in environments that as Kyle has used several 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 times the word several times during this weekend's moneywise program they don't have the ability to manage in unprecedented times because they just do the same thing over and over
1: but they also follow a very passive strategy which and is what like most the major passion. yeah most of the major organizations in the financial service industry has moved to this passive mentality where they're focused more on client accumulation and client relationship management, give it to a computer, give it to an algorithm, give it to a Monte Carlo computer to spit out the asset allocation model based on a questionnaire that you filled out as a client. And we are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum from that you know from day one for the last thirty four years it's active management it's making decisions when decisions need to be made based on real time market conditions real time geopolitical situations real time economic conditions and monetary policy decisions that's what active management is about but these firms don't want to do it why because it's intensive from a from a per human power standpoint. You have to have people there doing the research, doing the analytical work, doing the trading. That takes time and it costs them money. Not profitable. It's not profitable. Exactly. It's not profitable for their bottom line. But I thought they're in the business to create profits for their clients, Jeff. I'm confused, guys. Isn't that what they're supposed to be in the business of doing? Is Making profits for their clients first? Oh, that's right. That's what you do when you're a fiduciary like we are. You put your client's interests in front of your own. Well, that's I right.
0: Think, yeah, but in this particular case, I think it's just there's no there, there's no active management. There's no creativity. There's no preparation for unprecedented
1: times. Don't get dazzled by the brand names. And maybe they surrender. The reason- they spend millions marketing to create that household name. doesn't mean they have any better knowledge, any better experience to produce, any better results because you know them at the dinner table. You know who they are. You know their name.
0: Maybe the, the reason that they aren't able to effectively manage in unprecedented times is just, as I had said on some previous shows, how many folks managing money today We're managing money 25 years ago or more. When we had interest rates even higher than they are now. Uh, Yeah, how much of that is happening? Yeah, I don't know. The Monte Carlo analysis, uh, passive investment strategies, as we said time and time again, get exposed in times that are uh, when we have tail that when we have ish, things happen in the market that are you know, once or twice in an investing career but it's just it's so well, what's infuriating and disappointing is that just as o eight just as there were plenty of warning signs in two thousand and eight to lighten up the asset allocation of the stocks. And not take the forty percent hit. There was plenty of warnings in twenty, you know, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, not to take the hit in the bond portfolio. Yeah, you know, just don't take the hit. But well, they, they, they just—they're not equipped to do that. That's not—that's not what the vast majority of the. Uh, Advise, you know, the, the the money management community is is prepared to do
1: and I just want to preface this we 're not predicting any type of two thousand and eight financial crisis or anything like that that 's not your point. Your point is that the passive strategy is failed strategy and it, and it doesn 't work and so this goes back to joe 's original statement of always know what you own in your portfolio. This is the reason why we provide portfolio reviews and analysis so you can get a second opinion from a portfolio management team that has been in the trenches with combined experience north of 70 years of making decisions in real market time and real market conditions. So take us up, and you can give us a call at 800-275-2162. With that, we're coming up to the top of the hour break, so we're going to take the break, go into the news. When we come back, we'll be diving into the second half of this weekend's Money Wise program, continuing with more investor education. So stay tuned, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. You money wise guys will be back after the news.
0: All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. I've got my brother, Jeff. I'm your host, Kyle Davidson. And we are diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at DavidsonCap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906 906- zero zero seven zero or toll free at one eight hundred two seven five two one six two. And if you have an investment related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the Money Wise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com.
0: If you missed the first hour of Money Wise, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past Money Wise programs you can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our
1: homepage at DavidsonCap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. And just a little housekeeping. Uh, this weekend's Money Wise program is going to be a half hour shorter, and the Fighting Texas Aggies pregame will be starting at one thirty. This afternoon, so, in this last half hour of this weekend 's money wise program, and as we like to to use the second hour of our program to go into investor education, I wanted to talk about a topic that we 've talked about before in the past jeff i know it 's something we haven 't uh, we haven 't gone into in some time, and the reason why I want to discuss this is because of a new a new client new couple that that have come to us and it just again gave me motivation to have this conversation again, and it really pertains to their particular experience, in particular the the husband of the couple and his experience. He works for a major corporation here in the Corpus Christi area. I'm not going to 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 release the name of the corporation, but it's a very large employer here, and wanted to just talk about and really to educate all of our listeners that are maybe a year away from retiring, maybe six months away from retiring, folks that are, have been saving in their 401K, maybe even have a traditional pension to go along with their 401K. But I wanted to really discuss their ex, his experience in particular and use that as kind of an educational jump-off point for our other listeners that might find themselves in this similar situation. Um, so just want to give a little background on this, on this brand-new client and kind of his experience. He was a participant in a 401K and, and is a participant in a 401K for this major corporation. And this major corporation's 401K is managed by a very large name-brand brokerage firm, um, just like most of our listeners would be able to identify and recognize these major brokerage firms from the Edward Joneses to the Morgan Stanley's to the Merrill Lynch's of the world. This is who is overseeing the 401K. And he had talked to me about in years past, where periodically throughout the year there would be retirement planning seminars, and what these, and really what these seminars were about, and what I've really learned, it was really more of yes, it's a retirement planning seminar, but but more or less it's, it's a, a business, sales pitch, it's a business retention
0: tool, That's really what it is. It's a it's a relationship building. Uh, procedure if you will and we have we have dealt with this particular employer and retirees from this particular employer for many 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 years and this large name brand wall street firm has been involved in the 401k at this particular employer the entire time and we hear these stories and this particular story is is not is somewhat uh, what we've heard before, and and some parts of it are very new. And another, th- another reason why we're bringing this up at this time of the year is that the end of any calendar year is typically a time when there's a lot of folks that choose to retire. And it's in these last few months of the year that these organizations that need to try to keep the 401k business with their organization – have these seminars as a way of, of of retaining the assets should these employees retire and decide to to roll out their 401k into another retirement account. It's to the uh, organization's advantage from a profitability standpoint to want to hang on
1: to these assets, and we totally understand that. We get it. We we, we, we we get we get it. But but you know what's also unique about this particular 401k is it offers a self directed brokerage option, which You typically only see the self-directed brokerage options in large employer corporate 401Ks, 401Ks that have billions upon billions of dollars. And what a self-directed brokerage brokerage account is, is it allows planned participants to go and work with an outside asset management firm. Here at Davidson Capital, we work with a very large employer here in town, and we are a self-directed brokerage option. Uh, Even though we're not brokers, we're registered investment advisors, but the employees are able to go and continue to invest in their 401K, and then the assets flow through the custodian of those assets to Davidson Capital Management for us to actively manage those assets as they're working and building their retirement nest egg. And that was the same situation with this new client. But what he was telling me when he went into these seminars in the past is that he got the impression from the the organization, from the group that was coming in there to give the presentation, is that if you're getting ready to retire, this is your only option. Your only option is to retire and roll these assets out with us to maintain here at this brokerage firm, and we're going to, quote, unquote, manage these assets for you. And, and he said that him and his colleagues, just they're constantly talking about the retirement and the retirement nesting. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? And a lot of his colleagues got that same feeling. That this, this the is the only
0: direction. This is this is not new from this organization. We have heard this from from other folks in the past that the the, the sales pitch is is very well honed.
1: It's one sided. It's a one sided pitch. And
0: and we're here to tell you, and we're coming up on the break here in a, in a short period of time, that when someone tries to frame to you as the employee, as the holder of that 401k, the owner of that 401k, that they are the only choice, you better bet, you bet that they are not the only choice. And you need to to do everything that you can to investigate what the other choices are out there for you, because anyone that tries to tell you that they're they're, they're the only choice, they're not telling you the truth. And the truth is they want to maintain your assets. We understand that but what we don't like is when they frame it in such a way that it it is that they they will not disclose to you that you do actually
1: have other choices that don't include them. Well, and I think something else that was so frustrating for for our new client Jeff is how many hoops they had to jump through to go through the process in order to get these assets moved over under our management and how frustrated our clients were of all the hoops they had to jump through. And again, we have experience of ta- of having business come in from this organization and we know the amount of hoops, but it was getting to the point where where he was so frustrated. He's like, wow, I don't know why anyone would ever move because they make it so onerous. And again, that is the trick. That's, that's exactly what they want. That's exactly what they want. They want to make it to have so many hoops and so many hurdles to jump over that you just say, you know what, I'm going to leave it where it is. Well, we're coming up on break. I want to continue on this topic, continue on this education, and we'll do that right after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after these words. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906 zero zero seven zero or toll free at one eight hundred two seven five two one six two. 275 2162 and if you'd like to send us an email you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com so continuing on investor education and talking about again this new client that just came into us this past week from a major organization major 401k and the brokerage firm that he had at one point in time, and, he, and it, what what was so amazing is that he didn't even realize that he had selected this self directed brokerage option from seminars in the past with this organization. Now, what this brokerage firm has that's overseeing the four hundred one k is that they have pockets of brokers in all the major cities that this company has a major employee presence that come out and do periodic retirement quote you know retirement seminars. And so he'd been to a retirement seminar in the past and somehow had signed something or had agreed to something to start this self-directed brokerage option with this organization, not knowing really anything about them other than the presentation pitch that they gave in front of the group of the employees, but also feeling like that this was the only direction he could go with his retirement assets as he went through the seminar. And as you mentioned, uh, Jeff, in the last segment, is that, If you're working towards your retirement, you're a year out, six months out, eight months out, you have the total options of who you want to oversee your money, whether it's you yourself by rolling it out into a self-directed IRA that you're managing yourself, maybe through a discount broker, or if you want to go work with a different brokerage firm or a firm that is not involved in the 401k, going and hiring a registered investment advisor like a Davidson Capital Management to take discretionary control of those assets and manage it for you. We're just really here to, to, to provide that education to let you know that you have the ultimate control and the ultimate choices. Do not get sucked in in these retirement seminars and thinking that this is the only option you have because that is what they're going to make you feel like because as Jeff said earlier, they want to retain those assets. They don't want the assets leaving the major brokerage firm that's overseeing the 401k and of course the local representative that's coming out to do the presentation wants to continue to build their book of business. So as I learned about the group that came out to give this presentation, I did a little bit of research. And as we've educated here on the Money Wise program that all you simply have to do is go to Google, you do what's called a broker check, and it's going to take you to the FINRA website because everyone in the financial service industry has a permanent record. And that permanent record is going to show you if someone has any past misdemeanors or felony charges, if they filed bankruptcy, if they've had customer disputes and complaints. And so I wanted to take a look at at this group that came out to give this presentation just to see what their record looked like. And lo and behold, what did I find? I found three customer complaints where there was accusations of fraud, account churning, misrepresentations, improper asset allocations, and the organization that employed this group of, of brokers had paid restitution to the tune of $575,000 over the course of their career. Not exactly a group of people that I would want to entrust my retirement assets and my retirement nest egg with, particularly when there is accusations of, of churning and of potential fraud and misappropriations, what is really disappointing in this particular
0: case is that this the, this employer this this huge employer has not does not appear to have taken the time to have vetted out the people that are coming out on their premises if i correct me if i 'm if i 'm wrong Kyle. But these presentations are being done on the pres- on the premises of the employer itself, not at the brokerage house's premises. So these folks are coming on site, on property, giving these presentations to their employees, this captive audience. That's correct. And they're not vetting out these people to see what kind of records, what kind of credentials that they have. Because this is a particularly poor... FINRA report that we've seen, especially from someone that is actually still employed at this organization.
2: Mm-hmm. I that, mean, that's what I, I was mean, surprised. a
0: half million dollars is a lot of, that's a lot of money to be paid at paying out in fines and restitution. Uh, pardon me. In restitution. I, I, was it restitution? It was or resti- no, okay. it was restitution. Pardon me, it wasn't fines, it was restitution. So, there, uh, there was clearly uh I wouldn't think that a that that an organization a brokerage firm would willingly pay out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to a customer if there wasn't merit to their claim to begin with
1: and, and then when I started digging a little bit deeper and just getting a background of our new client and really their conservative nature, the fact that they you know are are very nervous about the market and wanting to have their assets protected. I do a portfolio review and analysis as I do for any prospective client, and what do I find? I find that almost 96% of their total investable net worth of this couple, because the wife is a client also, who also had assets with this group as well, they were sitting 96% in equities. And then I dig a little bit deeper, and what do I find? They are trading this account day in and day out, day in and day out, constantly. And d- I dig a little bit further, and I find out that this group is charging over three percent.
0: So underst- to do what they're doing. So understand that that if I'm give, going out to give this seminar, these assets are already at my brokerage house. Mm-hmm. The brokerage house is already receiving fees and expenses from the four hundred one k participants uh, for for their participation in this plan. But I could go out to this captive audience and sell them on the opportunity to take a portion of their assets into a self-directed account where I can then turn around and raise their fees up tremendously. I mean, do you really think they're paying 3% in their 401Ks right now? For Absolutely what? not. Uh, no way. There's no, no way. way. They're paying that kind of money in their 401Ks. So I can take this captive audience, take them out of their their original 401K options, Put them into a self-directed brokerage account that's being managed at this brokerage firm, and I use "managed" quote unquote. Quotations. Really, it appears that, that they're doing way too much trading, inappropriate asset allocation, performance is horrible, and the performance was horrible, which is one thing. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> want to say that that the, we, we saw long longer-term performance numbers that were really poor. And we can hit them with over 3% in fees.
1: I mean, that's like rubbing salt. I mean, it's, it's rubbing more salt on a wound and then pouring vinegar and then alcohol on that wound when you put all of these together. And, you know, again, we're talking about this to provide that education. You know, if you're participating in a 401K and you're past the age of 59 and a half and you still want to continue to work for many years in the future you have the option and you have the ability to take what's called an in-service distribution and we've worked with a lot of clients over the past 25 plus years of business that we've been in that have taken and done these in-service distributions that allows you to roll the balance of your 401k because if you've been working at an organization thirty thirty-five years and you're sitting on half a half million six hundred seven hundred thousand dollars that you've saved up in your nest egg and you're the one that's overseeing it and it's making you nervous you have the ability to take that in-service distribution past the age of fifty nine and a half Roll those assets out. It's not a taxable event. Put them into a self-directed IRA where you can go and work with... Uh, traditional broker, someone on the sales side if you want to, or a registered investment advisor like a Davidson Capital Management who can take that discretionary control and manage those assets for you on your behalf while you're still continuing to work and still continuing to contribute and participate in the 401k because your participation doesn't stop. It just takes your balance from what it was, let's say five hundred thousand down to zero and you're starting new. And we've had clients Jeff in the past and I know you know this that would contribute to the 401k for a year, get the matching contributions, get the profit sharing dollars, then make one phone call to us, say I'm hey, I'm rolling my balance for the year into what you're already managing for me and they did that like clockwork year over year over year. So just know that if you're participating in a 401k, you're past 59 and a half, you can go and do what's called a in-service distribution it's built into a prototype 401k plans it's part of the IRS law for the 401k so you have that ability but keep in mind when you go to these retirement plan seminars and they bring representatives of the company that's overseeing the 401k they are not going to talk about this they have a vested
0: interest in maintaining your assets at their
1: organization and
0: they're they're not going to like you said they are they're not going to come out and volunteer this to you and if you choose not to go with them, understand that, that some of them may make it very difficult for you to pull the money out. But you know what? It's your money, and you should decide exactly where it wants to go. And, and, and if you don't like the way they're treating you on the way out the door, tell your employer to that's get right. rid of these folks and find someone else that is not going to play this game with their, their employees. Because this particular group right now that's at this major employer... If the company knew the truth about what these folks, their backgrounds on and what they've been doing, I don't think they would be out there giving these seminars today.
1: So if you'd like to learn more about in-service distributions or if there's anything that we could do here at Davidson Capital Management to help educate you and, and, and again, discuss your options pending retirement, you can definitely give us a call in our office at 906 906- zero zero seven zero again nine zero six zero zero seven zero and with that we'd like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's money wise program for my brother jeff this is kyle davidson saying a fantastic weekend into your financial health we will talk to you next week